Welcome to Marvin Methodist Church's Sanctuary Service. My name is Doug Baker, and I'm the lead pastor. Today we start a new sermon series entitled Biblical Conjunctions. I'll be addressing during this series three enemies of the soul, the flesh, the world, and the devil. All three are introduced in this introductory sermon followed by the important conjunction, but, specifically, but God. Though there are enemies against us, God is for us. Let's join in as the message is underway. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, which you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, whose spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So good to be back with you today and to I want to thank Brandy for her excellent message last week and just such a blessing to, to spend some time with family and of course to be with you today and to share as we did in our Tanzania report to you uh, during the Sunday school hour. But uh, may God bless us now as his word is proclaimed and as we prepare our hearts for Holy Communion. Let us pray. God, in these moments now as your word is spoken, do a good work in us. Come, Holy Spirit, and open our hearts and minds to your truth. And if it not be through what I, what I speak, Lord, then speak privately into each of us that we may hear a good word from you. For this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm starting a new sermon series today, and this sermon series is entitled Bible Conjunctions. And every time we've talked about conjunctions as a staff and as we planned worship, immediately there were those in the room that began to think about conjunction, junction, what's your function? <laughs> Come on, you remember that? Schoolhouse Rock, amen. 1973, ABC placed that on Sunday mornings during the uh, cartoons that we would, our children would watch and they would give Schoolhouse Rock had these wonderful songs and also stories to tell. And in the case of conjunctions, there were three uh, boxcars and there were lyrics to go with that. Let me just remind you of that. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up words and phrases and clauses. And then it goes into, I've got three favorite cars of this train that most likely get the job done. I've got and, and I've got but, and I've got or, and they'll get you pretty far. And that's what the lyrics sang for us, but that's what we're going to talk about. Thank God for biblical conjunctions, because in this morning's passage, the first three verses of Ephesians chapter 2 are very doom and gloom and dark. And then we hear this phrase, but God. And that's what I want you to go away with today, this morning, in your mind. And as you're facing the challenges of the week, if you're facing temptations, whatever you might be dealing with, whatever the trouble and the difficulty that might come your way, but God 
has a word for you, but God has hope for you, but God by his grace has saved you, and that's what we're gonna be talking about today. But God, and then and next week it will be, you'll be hearing about living by the desires of the flesh, but you are to live and walk by the Holy Spirit. And then we'll conclude our sermon series in three weeks with the uh, dealing with the devil. And we're going to be talking about the if conjunction. If God is for you, who can be against you, right? So conjunctions of the Bible, very important for us in our spiritual development. In this life, as we did in our opening call to worship, in this life, we will have trouble. But Christ has overcome the world. The writer of Ephesians does a similar conjunction set up for us here, though he will have the conjunction and he will intersect or intersperse or place in there, insert, thank you, insert us a little descriptive word of God and then he'll give God's name and then he'll give another descriptive uh, attribute of God. So uh, we'll be looking at that this morning in just a moment. God who is rich in mercy, a God who has great love for you and for me. And we're going to take a quick look at the words sin and transgressions because that's how the writer of Ephesians starts chapter 2, dealing with sin and transgressions. We're going to talk about that, so maybe some word imagery that will help you wrestle with uh, the things that we so easily write off as, oh, that's just, uh, that's just who I am or I just have that bad habit. And we're going to kind of talk about that. But God has other plans for us as he has saved us. I want to let you know that I've been reading a book by John Mark Comer called Live No Lies. If you want to get that book, you're welcome to read along because the next three weeks I'm going to be pulling some material from John Mark Comer's book. If you don't know who John Mark Comer is, let me give you a little background. Dallas Willard was a phenomenal spiritual formation writer and philosopher of, uh, of the age of America, died many years ago from cancer. His protege, his mentee was John Ortberg, who is a prolific writer in spirituality. John Ortberg has written many great books, and now John Ortberg has discipled and mentored John Mark Comer, who is a 40-year-old, who is the next generation of deeply spiritual, intelligent minds that will speak into our culture and into this world in a very important voice, I believe, for Christianity and for, uh, and for all of us in this church. And so that's why we're building this sermon series. So those first verses of Ephesians 2 describe the peril and the human condition that we are broken people and that we have transgressions and sins that are deserving of wrath. But God, but God who loves us and God who is rich in mercy has saved us through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to look at the enemies of the soul, and John Mark Comer describes them, and they come out of the passage of Scripture I've just read for you. And friends, the enemies of the soul are these. First, there is the world, and then there is the devil, and then there is the flesh. 
And I'm gonna unpack that a little bit for us this morning. I'm gonna give you an introduction to the next three weeks for us. And you'll understand better, maybe a little bit better that we have these enemies of the soul working against us. But God has got the power of the Lord Jesus Christ on our side. That resurrection power is what we're going to be learn, leaning into. And the, the, the subtitle of, of John Mark Comer's book is Recognizing and Resisting the Three Enemies That Sabotage Your Peace. And they do sabotage the peace that we look for. So let's look at the passage. If you still got your Bible open, I've got Ephesians 2 open here. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live by following the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the devil. And then in verse 3, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and its thoughts, and like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But there it comes in verse 4. But God, because of his great love for us, but God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace. And that's where we're going to end up today before we share in Holy Communion. We're going to be talking about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of God, and it's the reason you're invited to this table that is prepared before us. We don't come on our own merit. We don't come by our own goodness. We are people that have troubles and difficulties and challenges, but by the grace of God, we come to share in Holy Communion this day. Let's talk about transgressions for just a moment. The word in the Greek is peripatoma. It means to transgress. It means to cross over a line. To, to, there are boundaries that are given, and then we transgress them. We do something wrong. And let me just say this. It assumes that we have a biblical or a Christian worldview or a godly worldview that we would even be concerned about transgression or sin. If you don't believe that God has standards, if you don't believe that God has given us the holy word and given us his will and how he intends for human beings, beings created in his image to live, and if you don't believe that Jesus Christ has been God in the flesh who came and lived the perfect life and died the perfect death that we might live with God, if you don't believe that, then you don't care about transgressing anything, and you don't care about sin, because that doesn't really matter to you. You can just decide what's right in your own eyes, in your own image, or some humanistic morality that might be out there that you attach yourself to. In the Old Testament, transgressions would be described as with the visual of a plumb line. If you don't know what a plumb line is, it's simply a string used by construction workers, especially in olden times, with a heavy rock at the bottom, and it would simply show a straight line. You could put it against a wall, and if it does not plumb, if that, if that wall was leaning, that string would show you that you were out of alignment. And if you are going to build your life, my friends, with a wall that is slanted, that is not firmly foundationed, that is, that is leaning, you will find that you will have difficulty in this life because that, that home will not stand. That's the idea of transgressions. Now, hamartia is the Greek word for sin. And I love the understanding of hamartia. It means to miss the mark. We believe as Christians, especially Wesleyan Christians, 
that the bullseye of a target, if you will, is to love God because that's what God has called us to do. It's in the Shema given to us by the Hebrew people. Jesus quoted the Shema, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, he inserted mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. We believe as Wesleyans, and I believe mostly Christians believe this as well, that loving God and loving others is the bullseye. Would you agree with that? That's what we should shoot for if we were going to be shooting an arrow or shooting a gun or something. That's the target that we will go for. Well, we understand that sin or missing the mark happens. We don't always love people well. We don't always say the right thing at the right time. Sometimes we're impatient. Sometimes we make poor decisions. Sometimes those decisions hurt not only ourselves, but they hurt others. In that regards, we miss the mark. And I don't want you to be like the young boy who uh, showed off the great targets that he had hit. In fact, he, every bullseye was, uh, he had a, tar- a bullseye at every arrow he shot. And the people were amazed at how good he was. He said, well, It's easy when you simply shoot the arrow, and then where you see where the arrow lands, you go and you draw the bullseye right around it, and then make your circles around that. That makes me a great shot. But let me just say, there's some profound thought in that, friends, because is that not what our culture is doing right now? We are redefining what is right and wrong. We are drawing the bullseye what we want the target to be, not the standard of what God has established for us in his word or through the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ our Lord. So the wages of sin, Romans 6, 23 says, is death. Now that's a serious word, but I think it's very appropriate. If you've ever had a bad word or conversation that kills a relationship, then you know that relationships can die, and our relationship with God can die if we choose to rebel against God. The wages of sin is death, but I love the conjunction, the biblical conjunction that Paul uses in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And Dallas Willard would say, and guess what? Eternity is now in session. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know the forgiveness of your sins, and even though you might still make mistakes occasionally in your life and in your discipleship and in following Christ, the grace of God covers you, and you can live that relationship because Christ has made a bridge. Friends, let's move on. I want to talk about where we're heading, the three enemies of the soul, You follow the ways of the world, the writer of Ephesians says. Can I remind you of the words of Jesus Christ? What good is it for someone to gain the world and yet, what, lose their soul? He would go on to say in John 15, 19, which is our text we'll look at in a couple weeks, you do not belong to this world because I, Christ says, have chosen you out of this world. Now, I'm not here to say that the world is all bad. It's not all bad, but the biblical understanding of the world is kind of good and bad. 
John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we understand that God loves this world. God created this world. The psalmists talk about the majesty and the glory. You've been going to the mountains. You've been going to the beach. You've been seeing amazing things maybe on vacation. We just saw amazing slides from Africa and the, what God is doing there. The world is an amazing place and we are to share in that adventure of God's redemptive work in this world world, but the world also, this cosmos also has got some problems when it begins to shape you more than Christ begins to shape you. John 17, Jesus offers a prayer. My prayer is that you don't take them out of this world, but that God, you protect my followers from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them, Lord, by your truth. John Mark Comer, in his book, Live No Lies, defines the world as this, a system of ideas and values and morals and practices and social norms that are integrated into the mainstream and eventually institutionalized into a culture that is corrupted by two sins, the sin of rebellion against God and the sin of redefinition of good and evil. That's the world that we are not called to be a part of. You are called to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the work of the Holy Spirit, not to be conformed to the world and its desires. And as we started our worship service this morning, you are not in this world. Jesus instructs us that we will have peace and in the world we'll find trouble, but he has called us out of the world. Secondly, the writer of Ephesians mentions the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The biblical commentators unanimously identify the, the ruler of the air as the devil, which means that in this short book of Ephesians, which is only six chapters, and the devil only makes little appearances all throughout the entire scriptures, but in the book of Ephesians, the devil is mentioned four times in six chapters. There in chapter two, chapter four, don't give the devil a foothold when you are dealing with your anger. And in chapter six, we find it twice. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. Take up the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one, it says in Ephesians 6, 16. But it's not just the writer of Ephesians. We know that Jesus, in John 8:44 describes the father of lies and says that when he lies he speaks his native language Friends, the devil's tactic has not changed. It started in the Garden of Eden, and it continues today. The devil tells lies. He tells half-truths. He twists the truths and tries to get you to rationalize and justify your behavior. That is his tactic to get you to be separated from God and God's will from you. The apostle Peter says in, in 1 Peter 5, 8, your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, not like the safari slide we saw, which were sleeping cats, right? But like a roaring lion, he is desiring to devour someone. And then Jesus says in the beautiful passage that I love so dearly because I love the image of Jesus as my shepherd. John 10, 10 talks about, Jesus talks about, I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. 
But then he says, there is a thief. There's a thief that comes and tries to steal my flock, and he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy is real, and as one author put it, the greatest trick the devil has ever pulled on humanity is convincing the world that he does not exist. Well, three weeks from today, we're going to put it all out there. We're going to talk about the devil and his schemes and the way he operates. And uh, if you don't believe that, don't like that, then don't come. But I'm just going to be faithful to the truth. And we're going to give the, the enemy a day to talk about him because we've got a biblical conjunction that says, even though the enemy is at work and even though the enemy is on the prowl, God, the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ our Lord, is greater than the devil himself. Thirdly, we're going to talk about in a couple or actually next week, the flesh as the third enemy of the soul. And like, like the world, the flesh is good and bad. The body is an amazing, amazing creation. I mean, can you seriously not look at the human body and say, wow. I mean, think about all the blood that flows. Think about all the breaths you take. Think about the way we take uh, oxygen out of this air and put it out again as carbon dioxide, and then the trees turn it back into oxygen. Are you kidding me? You don't believe that there's a, a, a God who made this incredible system? And yet, even though the body is beautiful, and even though the greatest compliment that God made to humanity is to come down in the form of a human being and to live on this planet for 33 years in the flesh as Jesus Christ, that is the greatest compliment to, that God could make to his creation, is to become one of us and to die the most beautiful deaths that we might be able to be alive with him. Come on, church. That is great news, and that is an amazing thing that only can happen because the human body is amazing but the human body is also has the flesh and the flesh we'll talk about it next week is understood as having an underbelly a dark side that has desires and addictions and thoughts and grievances and all kinds of things that are against God's love and will in our lives Russian novelist and writer Foyodo Dostoevsky in his book, The Brothers of Karamazov, says this, God and the devil are fighting in the battlefield of the heart of every human being. You want to believe that to be true or don't believe that to be true? Just read Romans, read Galatians, where the Apostle Paul says, I cannot do the very things I want to do because every time I want to do good, that flesh is right there beside me trying to do something against the will of God. The heart is deceitful. And the challenge with the culture today is that we have believed that the heart is what should lead us, but the heart is not created to lead us. The heart has desires, but they need to be ordered properly. We'll talk about St. Augustine and the ordering of our desires next week because, friends, when self becomes more important than God, this is what happens. David Wells, no place for truth. Theology becomes therapy. Biblical interest in righteousness is replaced by a search for happiness. Holiness is replaced by wholeness. Truth by feelings. Ethics by feeling good about oneself. The world recedes. The church recedes. And everything comes down to what everybody wants in their self. And friends, God did not create the self to bear the burden of moral humanity and try to make decisions of right and wrong. The word of God... 
the gift of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the great revelation that makes it all make sense. When we elevate self above God, we are violating the very first commandment of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. And when we elevate the self and what our desires are in the moment, when we say we want to live, follow our heart, do what you do, speak your truth, be true to yourself, we are deceiving ourselves because the heart is fickle. And the heart wants one thing and then it wants another thing. But God's truth abides forever. Friends, that's where we're heading. I want to wrap this up just to tell you that even though these three challenges are before us, I'm excited about this sermon series. The challenges of the world that want to conform us, the father of lies who is always trying to steal, kill, or destroy, or deceive us, the battle for the flesh that many of us know personally because we deal with bad habits, we may deal with addictions, we know that the flesh is a battleground between us and God, even though all that's going on, friends. But God, God who is rich in mercy, God who loves you as if you were the only person to love, died for you through Jesus Christ, our Son, our Lord, His Son, our Lord. It is by grace we are saved. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, a free and spontaneous action offered to us without merit. Grace that runs ahead of us called provenient grace. Grace that justifies us in the moment when we are ashamed and we know we have been wronged, but God forgives and justifies us through the blood of Christ. The sanctifying grace, which continues its good work in us to move us on towards perfection. And let me just say this, in verse 8 and in verse 5, we find these words, by grace you have been saved. Verse 8, it is for by grace you have been saved. The same language, the same word, and the word in Greek, my friends, I don't do word studies just to entertain myself. I don't do word studies just to justify getting a theological education. I do word studies because they're helpful. And here's the reason why. The word there in both places, sozomino, is in the positive perfect tense, which means it is ongoing. It is not in the past. You are being saved presently, in the future, Every moment you take in a breath, every decision you make, God is working out his salvation in you. Amen, church? It is not a one-and-done thing. It is not life insurance for when I get to heaven, when I die, I'll get to heaven. We are being saved. Right now, we are being saved. And at this table this morning, we are being saved. Whether it's an addiction you're facing, whether the devil's been telling you you're no good, I don't care what it is at this table today. Because of God's grace, we are being saved. And the world needs this message. Let's take it to the world. Friends, that's where we're heading the next three weeks. God is good, and even though the world is hard, but God loves us, and God is saving us. Amen.
Thanks for watching our broadcast this morning. I'd like to personally invite you to join us for Sunday morning worship services at 8.30, 11 on our campus in downtown Tyler, Texas. I hope you'll visit our website to learn more about our church and ways that you can partner with us to make a difference for God's kingdom here in Tyler and around the world. May God bless you and may you have a great day.